Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of the Manly Hanley Podcast. This is the podcast with no limits on what we'll cover, unless it's something totally psychotic or not worth covering. I'm your host, Randy, and with me, I have my somewhat silent co-host, Vic the Cat. Have a snack, sit back, and relax. This episode was recorded on Sunday, May 12, 2019. Let's get started. So we have about uh, one more week to go, and I should have my Personas Studio Live Mixer back in the studio. It's been in the shop for a few weeks now for some hardware failure that it shipped with, where it would not take firmware updates. It just stopped doing that. I troubleshot with the guys at Personas for a while, and they were unable to solve it with me, so they're going to probably replace some hardware components, and they said it should ship out this Monday. It's been a while, so if you notice any humming uh, in the background, that electronic hiss, that's because I'm using a backup mixer. It's an old Behringer mixer. It's probably 15-plus years old, maybe 20, and I'm using a dynamic microphone today, and... Just long story short, those microphones require a bit of a boost to get the sound to come out. So you're hearing some of the noise from the electronics pushing hard. Uh, We're on track to hit the 100 like mark this week. So thank you all to who have joined us and are tuning in. Today I'm going to talk Mac versus PC and Android versus iOS. I'm going to bring up the differences between them that are obvious to me and why I may prefer one over the other. Let's start with Mac versus PC, or Mac OS versus Windows, if you will. First off, I like to just get over the security hype thing already that differentiates both of them, or it has for years. Mac was originally able to get a reputation for being more secure, firstly because it originally had a huge lack of market share compared to Windows. So like 10 years ago, um, Wikimedia is a website, they pulled some internet traffic and found that Windows visitors made up 90% of the traffic. So if I was a bad guy wanting to write a virus, I'd write one to affect those Windows users. So um, until 2008, Windows didn't have UAC. It's called UAC. It's also known as User Access Control. An easy way to explain this would be if your application, on your on a, one on your computer, is trying to ask for administrator privileges. That is something that can make changes to your computer Um you know, operating system, you'll get a pop-up basically asking you, do you want to install this virus on your computer? And if you click yes, you could possibly install a virus. Don't do that. But Mac OS always sounded interesting to me originally because it was essentially running on top of Unix. It's an OS that's known to be solid and secure. It's been around for a long time. But um, this user access control that Windows like in 2008, Microsoft implemented that, it kind of gives you a warning, hey, this is trying to run. It kind of seems like something that should have existed for a while, you know, like antivirus software kind of had to intervene to do that, uh, to get that functionality there for you, but Windows does that, and it has since 2018, uh, 2008. So, you know, if you're going to click a file that is trying to do something to your computer, Windows is going to alert you, hey, this file is trying to do something to your computer. Did you know that, you know, and then you get it, you have a chance to like stop it. So that's really, really effective. But um, during the early 2000s, I was always hopeful of the Linux desktop. That was a time where everybody was saying, this is going to be the year of the Linux desktop. And because I felt like I didn't want to buy Apple 
products or Microsoft Windows um, because of the security risks, I guess, for Windows especially at that time, um, and Apple because of the costs. I I wanted to do something different. I just I think I just wanted to you know rebel against those two choices. I guess I had a lot of fun using the Linux desktop and never having to worry about getting a virus. That was the big selling point for me, because Linux desktops were I guess even a small number of users compared to users with MacBooks at that time. And um, Linux is completely free. That was the the really neat thing about it is the philosophy. It's about being free and open source. People can contribute and make changes to it. And it part of this big community. So again, I was I was hopeful for the Linux desktop in the uh, early two thousands, I guess. And but there were there were downsides. There was costs to uh, having a free operating system. Uh, you know, there you had to kind of tweak things to get them working often, uh, especially graphics display drivers. And um, but it was a lot of fun. It's when I had the time to do that. It was it, you know you didn't have to worry about getting a virus. You could tweak it to your liking. And yeah, but there were those workarounds. I don't have time to, t- to tinker around with that stuff anymore. Um, and you don't really have to as much. It's you know like, but it's still it hasn't come a long way when it comes to the desktop for Linux nowadays. It's just it's kind of the same in the same spot it's been, in my opinion anyway. Uh, so moving on though. With, for uh, for machines, I'm going to talk about Apple now. Apple, they hype up their speeds for their machines. Their laptops are designed to look slim, and they definitely look great. For a while now, that look has come with a cost, though, in operability and longevity. I will post a video link in the show notes where Linus Tech Tips demonstrates and proves that Apple's benchmarks are misleading. If you're my friend on Facebook, I think I posted that for my friends. But Macs are just slower than PCs, and here, here's why is the title of that video. I'll post that. And it's just, I, I you know, that's why I'm back at this spot again where I, I wanted to find a new operating system or something that's just worth it. And I'm actually going with Windows. Um... And to further my point on why I'm not going with Macs, you know, Macs versus Windows or whatever, uh, Mac versus PC, uh, Louis, Louis, uh, Louis, I can't talk, Louis Rossman, a very technically skilled electronics repair YouTuber, he has multiple videos where he demonstrates how Apple makes repairs nearly impossible to accomplish. And he has a repair shop in New York. I'll post the links and all that in the uh, video notes, show notes. It's where his team, they can do technical repairs such as soldering under a microscope. And they have to do this often for MacBooks. There's a lot, there's a high failure rate according to his experience in repairing machines. He's constantly having to repair issues for MacBooks that just are a result of bad design, uh, bad electronics, just uh, components, electrical components. <laughs> um, so... That's kind of, you know, just to tell you where I've been back and forth trying different operating systems. I, I've worked in the school system. I've, I've worked with um, iMacs, and I, I, I have good experience with those. I, I, uh, a good, um, I have a good uh, outcome using those. I think they're great. I mean, they make, they make some good computers. I, I, I'm not saying that Macs are bad at all. I think they have their benefits. Um, there's a YouTuber. He's possibly one of the most popular YouTubers out there. It's uh, Marcus Brownlee, MKBHD. You can look for him on YouTube. He's like the most popular YouTube out there, around up up there with PewDiePie, I'd say, in, in numbers. 
and he uses um some Macs to edit video, the iMac. And there are some powerhouse, awesome machines out there that are worth paying the extra money, in my opinion. But I'm not needing to edit large video files. So I can't speak for video editing professionals. Um, they're a whole different uh, area of uh, expertise that I don't have. I'm an audio person. And for audio, you generally don't need a lot of horsepower. Unless you're doing a lot of on-the-spot effects, you know, processing on your digital audio workstation side. Eh, that could, you know, you could, you could want some more horsepower for that. But I have a good board that does all of that for me. My soundboard that I'm going into has the effects. I don't need any horsepower on my computer, really. I just save the audio files and merge them together. That That's not even comparable to how much processing of power it takes for video. So in all fairness, uh, you know, you probably could benefit from buying a good, already designed iMac system. Like just, you know, but I recommend because of the difficulty that comes with upgrading these machines in the last 10 years, I would recommend just going all out and buying the best model with some Apple care and you know even the plus if they have that still to offer the accidental protection when you're buying something that expensive you want to make sure it's it's um it's safe but going back to Mac uh, Apple I like to say Mac Apple Android Google whatever going back on them hyping their speeds um, Linus Tech Tips proves that in his video that yeah, the speeds they're showing you are like the peak speeds. You know what I mean? Like when, when something spikes to get to a certain level. But these speeds can't be constant because if they're at that constant speed, the machine will overheat. So they're taking the measurement of something that happens at a brief second, you know, or just a brief moment in time and using that as, hey, it can reach this speed. Or, you know, it's that it's just it's kind of like misleading. So watch the video if you have if you have a chance, if you're considering a MacBook. I think it's it's worth watching. Another thing I really can't stand that Apple started doing, I don't know if it was 2008, something around around that time, 2007 or 8, they started soldering the RAM and processor to the board. That's just shitty. I mean, it, it doesn't it just more or less says no you may not upgrade this, buy another one from us, which people like myself are going to say, "No, I'm not going to do that. I want to upgrade. I want freedom with something I bought and that I own." That's just something I, I don't care for. Other manufacturers may do this as well. I don't know if it was Asus. There's another manufacturer out there that I've seen do it. But that's not Microsoft doing that. You know, you got to separate the manufacturer from the person making the OS. Uh, because with Apple, it's like they're the manufa- they're, they're the hardware person, right? And the software person. They make Mac OS. They make the MacBook that it runs on or the iMac that it runs on. And then you have Android, and you have many manufacturers such as Samsung, Asus, whatever, um, uh, Nokia, all those different manufacturers, many, 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 making the hardware. And then you have them kind of customizing Android because it allows for that. And you have a lot of choice. You know, it's, it's more about being able to choose what you want to run that operating system uh, or, you know... Yeah, it's basically that. So I'm just kind of showing you like Apple, they they have complete control, quality control over the products and the operating system. It's to me it's I like to have kind of I like to have a few different teams involved, I guess. So again, why am I going back to Microsoft? That's kind of what I've been talking about the last I think the last podcast episode. Yeah, I was 
you know, you heard me talk about OneNote a few weeks back, and then last week I mentioned the Office 365 suite. I just think that the last two or three years, Microsoft has been killing it with Windows 10, Office 365, those products. Microsoft gave up on smartphones, finally, uh, but it's still approaching that area the best way, that area of smartphones, by making some of the most awesome apps and cloud services that can run on those other competitors' mobile operating systems, uh, Apple and Android. So you could take your app, your uh, Apple iPhone or your Android phone, doesn't matter what you have, and run those Microsoft apps that all connect to that awesome infrastructure, the Office 365 cloud. You know, it's 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 really it's really great that we have those options. Um, and I'm sure Microsoft has to do it to survive to some extent. Uh, check out my last episode though, number eight, where I mentioned the great things about Office 365, or even episode four. That's the productivity tips one, where I touch on OneNote. So Microsoft is also getting back to their geeky roots is something else I've noticed lately and because they're bringing back power toys. And if you're old enough, you, you might remember the, the power toys. It's such an awesome throwback that geeks like myself will not want to pass up. I feel like power toys kind of gave us that level of customization that a geek may feel is missing out of the box. And talking about geeks still, we always kind of want options. We want to be able to tinker with things. And PCs, you know, desktops and laptops do not typically require a ridiculous amount of do, uh, dongling around, I guess. Uh, Apple's beauty, if you will, comes at a cost. And that's what I'd expect if I purchased a device with one USB port. So, I mean, you get like maybe a MacBook that has a limited amount of USB ports. You're going to need a dongle to connect another device to another device to it to get all those things you might want to connect. I, You know, it's... And to be fair, like some laptops, like maybe some of the newer Dells have one, maybe um, two two max USB ports and then a USB-C port. So they have two type A ports and a USB-C port where a an external dock plugs in. And they work a lot better than they used to. The uh, USB dock um, operations, they used to be terrible. Now they actually work, but it's kind of, it, it kind of, to me, sound, seems like a, they're almost doing an Apple-ish thing by having the, requiring a the expansion of functionality by like a, a dongle. But Apple, it's common and it's kind of a big, a big joke. Like people, we joke about it a lot, but you need a, like a, a dongle with a bunch of USB ports on it to get that functionality. So for this section, my conclusion is, I guess, if you're going to buy a Mac, I'd buy the higher end model with Apple Care, Apple Care Plus, you know, because I've heard from friends that Apple support is pretty good, but I'd also buy that plus level of protection just in case. Uh, PCs may come pre-installed with bloat, but that will depend on the manufacturer that you're buying from. If you buy a PC directly from Microsoft, such as a Surface product, then you are essentially getting a machine from the source, just as you would when buying hardware from Apple. You're, you'll get it, you're getting the intended experience. So it's all up to you and your personal preference the ecosystem you have at home. If you'd like to invest in the Apple ecosystem, you might feel it's kind of hard to get away from it. But that's my thoughts on the uh, PC and Mac debate, if you will. (laughs) Next up, we have Android versus iOS. Or we could call this um, Apple's iOS versus many other manufacturers, Android. All right, so Android sports customization and Apple sports simplicity with a tax. 
Android devices are not consistent necessarily across manufacturers because many different companies are allowed to put their own skinning on top of Android. This allows the manufacturer to try to make their devices more unique. You know, you got to have something that sets it apart other than the hardware. Maybe a new software experience with a swipe up can do this kind of operation. Every manufacturer is different with Android. Apple, on the other hand, has a consistent ecosystem that is locked down to having very little customization out of the box. You can possibly jailbreak your iOS device, but it's not as common as it used to be. You're waiting months and months and months. And I actually jailbroke my iPhone a month ago, and it was really not as cool as it used to be a while back. It was still a fun project, but I eventually grew tired of the task and switched back to Android. Even with jailbreaking iOS, it was still lacking the basic home screen replacement possibility that Android has right out of the box, and I I love it. It's like I rely on it now. It's so useful. With Android, you could instantly customize your phone with an app called Nova Launcher. In a home screen launcher, it just kind of sits over top of the stock home screen that comes with your phone. And I want to say out of the box every time. Factory. You know, it's just, it's just, it, it lets you feel like you have a completely different phone in just a couple of seconds. And then every different, there, there's so many different launchers for Android. You can pick the one you like. Nova Launcher is the top. It's, it's generally favored by most Android users. There's a free version, and it just makes you feel like you have a new phone. With iOS, you're stuck with a mess of icons and folders that you have to, you know, clean up and just make a folder called unused and put all those icons that you don't use in that folder. To be fair, Apple has let you um, remove a lot of those. I think starting at like iOS 8, if I remember correctly, you could remove a lot of the icons like books and they let you at least, you know, take them off your view uh, from the phone's uh, home screen. And like I, uh, the Apple Watch app, you can remove too, I think. That was like a couple versions ago. They let you do that. But it hasn't changed iOS, Apple's operating system. They haven't changed much in ten, probably 10 years. Like it's the same. And that's part of what they do. I mean, that's consistency. But for geeks, like a lot of geeks like myself, it's boring. So that's that's what I think about, you know, Apple versus Android when it comes to the customization and consistency. Let's move to talking about how you can get much more smartphone for your money with Android. This is what I believe. Uh, any Android running device, you, you generally can get for a better price. And my most recent testimony for this would be the Pixel 3a. Impulse buy. I just saw it. It was like 400 bucks. It's 399 directly from Google. Uh, I just bought it. <laughs> it's equipped with the same camera that takes better photos than any iPhone, any Android phone. It's any, you know, you could take a $999 iPhone 10 and take a better picture with a $399 phone, less than half the cost. What's the catch? It's more plasticky. I can tell you that the phone's more plasticky, but who cares? I'm going to put the phone in a case anyway. Even the phones that are not plastic will shatter. They'll break, they'll dent, whatever. They'll dent and then shatter the glass. So I'm going to put the phone in a case. Automatically cancels out my need or care about having plastic or aluminum. The phone just needs to work. So in Apple's defense, though, the iPhone X has a great processor. So the processor in the iPhone X, like in a benchmark, would probably, it would smoke like the the $399 Pixel 3a. 
Um, so I think I have to give Apple that, that the iOS devices do have a great processor and they don't require a lot of RAM to run because the processor can just take the load right up front and just process things quickly. It can open your application quicker. But if the phone's fine-tuned, specs don't matter like they used to on phones. So like this new Pixel 3a magically runs extremely fast. I've been using it for a week now and I've had no slowdowns with it. And I'm surprised because the specs aren't that impressive other than the camera. So I think it's good to know where your money is going when you buy a smartphone and if it makes sense for you to buy products under one manufacturer. This Pixel 3a is Google's iPhone, if you will. So just think of it like you're getting the cleanest Android experience because if I bought this, uh, an Android phone from Motorola or LG or Samsung especially, it's going to have a lot of junkware that it comes with. Or it might be beneficial to you, but not everybody wants junkware on their phone. They want to start from scratch and just install what they need. And that's what the Google Pixel line gives you. So when I touched on here, uh, the processor, the iPhone Apple devices having great processors, I think that iPhones and iPads as well as Mac OS running machines... They also have the benefit of running iMessage. It's a great messaging platform. It's great if all your friends and family are running it. And iOS, you know, otherwise, if you're not, you can't message them through that feature-rich, I guess, texting capability, you know, messaging app. Just about any of these features, though, that are found in iMessage can be mirrored with any free app, such as Facebook Messenger, which has more users than Apple's iMessage easily. The other plus I could think of for iMessage, though, is that Apple is pretty awesome with their users' privacy, so hats off to them on that. They've always been really good with user privacy. They don't just hand things over, you know, to um, to companies like Facebook. Obviously, I don't know about trusting them, but iMessage supports end-to-end encryption as well. Although Facebook has mentioned that they're wanting to use that end-to-end encryption, so we'll see how that goes. I'll post the link to that article that would be great if Facebook did that. It would be a huge game changer. And I would have a little more faith in them as a as a company. Another thing about uh, iOS, liquid retina display hype. In my opinion, that's a joke. Liquid retina display is just more Apple marketing. It's a liquid crystal display, which has been around forever. For example, the iPhone XR, the iPhone XR, has a liquid retina display with a pixel density of 328 pixels per inch and a resolution of 1792 by 828. Liquid retina display is not even better than regular retina. It's, I guess, the same. Liquid retina display is just Apple marketing. It's a liquid crystal display that's been around for a very long time. For example, the iPhone XR has a liquid retina display with a pixel density of 328 pixels per inch and a resolution of 1792 by 828. Liquid retina display is not even better than regular retina. The price of the 10R retailed at $749. On the other hand, we'll take an Android device, an even older one, the Note 8 phone, that I could pick up for $450. That's what I just saw it for on um, Best Buy's website. It has a resolution of 2960 by 1440 and a pixel density of 522. Looking at the display on any recent Samsung Galaxy Note phone, you will see the difference. Even like the S8 line or S9 line, you'll see the difference. Not to mention the brightness levels can go up really insanely bright, which is useful if you're outside. And it's it's crazy. It'll actually warn you when you're turning the brightness up. Hey, it's this is pretty bright. 
And the Note line also comes with more RAM than you'll likely ever need in a smartphone. So you can open up a bazillion apps and it won't slow down. So with that, those are that's about all I have for you today. I wanted to thank everyone in the audience for listening and our guests sitting in, Vic the Cat, for putting time aside and listening to the podcast. If you're a new listener to the Manly Hanley podcast, we would love to hear from you. Visit our website and leave a comment. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. Follow Randrums on Twitter, that's R-A-N-D-R-U-M-S, and be sure to like the Manly Hanley podcast Facebook page. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. Have a great day.